0: on this, but Dan, you gotta tune in Saturday morning because Saturday morning is gonna be lit. It's gonna be lit.
1: Yeah. Wait, Saturday morning? Um, the, we play the Dutch. Okay. The
2: Dutch. I'll, I'll be in one. Texas,
1: so I'll probably be missing that one. But there you go. There you go.
2: Yeah, it was it was definitely excruciating. A buddy of mine played high level striker, uh, and so when Wea scored there and they called it offsides, I I, I texted like, I don't know how you play the sport because it's just like. <laughs> How was that offside? I mean, it offside. wasn't offsides. It
0: wasn't offsides. It was it a was horrible it. call. It was it should so have been horrible. game over. It should have been a two-two nothing, and we party the whole second half instead of like yeah. feeling like you're gonna have a heart attack for about fifteen <laughs> minutes. Just, just somebody See,
1: explain to me what 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 is the idea behind sitting there and playing some kind of a shell defense or whatever they were doing and making absolutely no attempt to go on offense for basically the entire second half? I I, well, I don't understand. You
2: that.
0: lost your best. Pl- we we lost our best player guys 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 guys, guys, guys. We're, lo- we're losing we're losing we're losing audience guys we have a we have a specific
3: cutoff time you're right we we got a we got a hard out let's let's fire this thing up guys guys josh jacobs juggernaut this weekend he either went off on your bench you're happy you drafted him if you didn't what did you do wrong you know is it you have to change your approach do we look at dead zone, RB dead zone a little differently? We're gonna dive into all of that tonight. We have two of our biggest guests returning: Glenn Lowy, High Stakes, Champ, Beast, Shark, you name it. He kills any league he's in. Adam Kraut, Krautworth, excuse me, from Draft Shark comes back. We love having these guys. We've got a huge round table tonight, guys. Let's get right into it. what is up fantasy land welcome back to the district if you're back with us you know we're coming off of a huge actually Theo coming off of a huge og live wire today go check it out your week 13 waiver wire show really the only one you're going to need and last week theo we had a huge show with scott connor a lot of people calling this one of the best shows that we've put out so far one of the best dynasty shows that they've seen our trade dynasty trade deadline yearly special with scott connor was huge so guys go check that out one of our most watched shows 120 with one of the best in the game uh all that on the channel guys if you're new smash the subscribe join us join the community we have two monster guests tonight we call them sharks one is a legit shark in adam from the draft sharks and glenn lowey i mean what league has he not won hall of famer you name it guys welcome back to the district
2: thanks for having
5: me hey guys how are you
2: yes
0: uh, stoked you stoked you guys cannot uh, can join us uh this is our fourth uh high stakes round table uh really really excited you guys have both been on um you know by yourself and now we have a chance to kind of you know bounce around and, and get both of your ideas this is a big big week um you have depending on what format you play in this can be a playoff week for some uh some some leagues were trying to square it up and get into the playoffs. We've got a really terrible situation in week 14 upcoming. We have six teams on bye, by Mageddon. This is the second time this season that we've had a six-teamer. How are you guys preparing for this sort of bye weeks?
5: Well, okay, you go ahead. You know, it's it's not only the fact that we have six teams um that are off week 14. It's that it's week 14. You know, we we had that uh back in week 9 as well, which which was tough to navigate, of course. But uh week 14 makes it even more difficult for for multiple reasons. The most important reason obviously is uh, the time of the season in our, in our fantasy seasons, you know, for the FFPC, you're already in the league playoffs. So you you're going for your league championship. Uh, and you might be down, you know, uh, Justin Fields or a Christian Watson or or whoever you may have on one of those teams that have helped support you these last few weeks. Um, and if you're in the NFFC or, or the FFWC, you're in the last week of your season and trying to claw your way into the playoffs or trying to claw your way to that top spot for, for cash uh, before the overalls. So, you know, it's, it's really tough. And, and what makes it even tougher uh, is that, you know, oftentimes when you have a tough uh, bye week for, you, for a team you have, you have to make tough decisions. You gotta, you gotta decide because you can't go with an empty spot. You can't take that zero. Uh, you sometimes have to drop players you don't wanna drop, but what do you have? You have the opportunity the next week, if you have enough money and you make the right bid, potentially to get that player back this time of the year, and especially week 14, anybody you drop, you're not getting back. There's there's no more free agency after week 14. So it, it, it makes it very, very difficult uh, to navigate. But um, unfortunately, that's the position we're in uh, with, with the late buys this year.
0: Like Glenn, is it a Dion
5: Jackson? Or a backup running back like
0: that—that's a, that's a guy you're going to struggle to hold on to, or, or are you trying to break ties um, depending on your roster construction?
5: Well, I think the one benefit you do have is that um, those stash type players that you stash at the beginning of the year, and you're willing to keep on your roster, uh, you know, in a spot for three, four, five weeks for that that opportunity that he may have. Uh, You know, Rashad White, for instance, even though he was usable, you know, he's obviously a little bit more valuable now than he was four or five weeks ago. And, you know, that's one of the reasons you put players like that in in your bench. You know, um, obviously he's he's a little bit different because he was usable all season. But, you know, uh, those players pop and and sometimes you stash players for that pop. Um, When you get to this part of the uh, year, those stashes aren't as important um you may luck out and somebody in that three-week run um breaks out for you but uh at this point um you know you don't have as much time to wait on a guy so sometimes you just drop that extra guy uh, for a guy that'll give you points this week
0: how about you adam anything to add
2: yeah, I mean, listen, COVID prepared us for weeks like this, right? I mean, we've we've been through way worse when it comes to fantasy football. Thank you. Thank having, you, COVID. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And having to to get through, like, you know, setting our lineups three times between Saturday night and Sunday morning because guys were getting on planes and testing. It was just – it was insane. So we're, we're prepared for this. Um, also, you know, the good news is the teams that are on by aren't – juggernauts right i mean we've got the falcons the saints washington indy chicago the packers like we're not look we're not talking about like our premier i mean obviously jt is going to stink fields if you know um having him healthy uh not having him is going to sink Kamara, but like other than that at least there's not a lot of a lot of studs there and i think the I,
0: offenses as a whole you know
2: right exactly you know if it was like a you know cincinnati or buffalo or you know Kansas City, something like that. I think that would be worse. And I want to just what 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 Glenn said is absolutely right. You know, you have to decide like, hey, am I going to keep like a Deion Jackson or something like that? And I think it really depends on your roster build, and you have to decide like, hey, am I going to carry two defenses or two kickers, or am I going to carry like a Deion Jackson something like that? And I think it really depends. Like if you're if you're three running backs deep, like if you've got a a Josh Jacobs team that has a you know, a Saquon and a Chubb or something like, well, I might not need Deion Jackson. Maybe, maybe they all carry those, those two defenses or those two, two kickers. I always carry two kickers anyways, because if there's an injury to one, I know a beeb's the only guy that can get away with winning these tournaments without a kicker guy uh, runs pure. The guy runs well, pure. I'd, <laughs> I'd like to add
5: something to what Adam just said about COVID. And, and, and it's a very, very good point because COVID has also made these last weeks, Uh, and the the preparation for the league playoffs and the overalls a little bit easier to navigate in multiple ways. Number one is, and this is all season long, a lot of these high-stake leagues have now pushed back their second waiver wire. You know, they all used to be on Fridays, right? And, uh, you know, we had to make decisions sometimes without full information, with partial information. Now, you know, you have Saturday night for the NFFC, you have Sunday morning for the FFPC and the FFWC, so you have a lot more time to make the right decision with the most information. Um, sometimes the wrong information, a wrong decision with the uh, with the most information, but at least you have all the information available to you. The Least opportunity for surprises. It's the fairest way. But the second uh, thing that that um, COVID has given us. Um, And again, it it goes to a point Adam made, the kickers, the the defenses. Uh, Defenses, maybe not as much, but kickers. In in the FFPC, you still have to almost always, if you're going to be in the playoffs or the overalls, you have to take a second kicker. You almost have to because you'd hate to be in that position. I mean, you could run naked, but you'd hate to be in that position where the guy trips, you know, he pulls a hammy in practice. All of a sudden, boom. You're without a kicker for a week. Your chance of the overall is done. Um, it's it, it's a horrible situation. But in the NFFC and the FFWC, and I would like to see this in the FFPC as well, they've moved to team kicker. And again, yep. that's 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 a product of COVID and, and adjusting for COVID. But I think it's something that benefits the players. It, t- it takes luck a little bit out of the situation. It makes kicker, which is a very... You know, it, there's always that debate should kickers even be in uh, in fantasy, especially high stakes things. It takes a little bit of the luck out of it. And I, I think that's important for all of us and, uh, you know, a benefit uh, to to uh, what happened with COVID and the change in the way we deal with kickers and defense.
0: Uh, Dan, what what is worse for fantasy football last year's uh, COVID outbreak or Nathaniel Hackett? <laughs>
4: Yes,
1: hack, hack it um, though it, only for people who own Broncos. So uh, not not everybody is affected equally. One one thing I like about all these Week fourteen buys is it it it, it makes kind of an interesting twist in the playoffs because you're going to have a lot of teams who maybe kind of got into the playoffs because they had all these players who haven't been on buy yet, and now they got to deal with it. You know, so if you're if you're one of those teams that you know you got in and you really got no buys on week 13 or week 14 left to go. Uh, You know, that makes that makes your 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 shot for the title Uh, and the FFPC that much easier in the NFFC. uh, It just means that you can finish off strong or maybe some of these other teams can't. So uh, but, you know, like Glenn said, I think that the toughest thing is just that you have a hard time, uh, you know, deciding on which players you need to drop. If you, in fact, have to make some pickups just to make it through that week 14. Uh, you know, the good thing is your your roster is still going to be 20 players after that. So, uh, you know, you, you can decide who you want to drop and whoever you picked up obviously has to have some kind of value. Otherwise, you wouldn't be picking them up. So that's that's where I'm at on that.
0: I think that, you know, for me, I think that we had no no teams on by last week and we only have two this week. So you've had time to kind of prepare for this. Uh, I think that there's a you know we talk about guys like fringe guys like Deion jackson you're gonna have to make a decision for but the fact that there's only two teams this week and and none last week i think was kind of the silver lining we we've had time to prepare for week 14. if you're a high volume drafter you knew that week 14 was coming with all these teams for since the summer so you know hopefully we're we're gonna at least be one week ahead um jd in the pre, in the the pre-show talked a little bit about josh jacobs last season we had cooper cup uh who really impacted uh, leagues from as like a end of the third, fourth round type selection. This year we're seeing Josh Jacobs making a massive impact uh, in terms of teams that are making the playoffs. Uh, Darren Armani, our guest tomorrow night, Fantasy Mojo tweeted out about how impactful he was to win rates. What can we learn from a back like Josh Jacobs, who not only was a a mid-round pick, I mean, Glenn. We saw NFFC drafts where he fell into the seventh round, the eighth round,
4: the eighth round.
0: Yeah, the eighth round for Josh Jacobs. I don't think I saw ninth round Josh Jacobs, but I saw eighth round a few times. But I'll say seventh round was a safe time. You knew you're going to get him. What What can we learn from this process? Is there a lesson here? For a, a back like this to fall to the tail end of the dead zone, and I'll and I'll even back it up. This summer, we knew that the competition was Zamir White and Amir Abdullah. He still fell to this range. Uh, Glenn, why don't you start out with this one?
5: Well, I think I think honestly, it was it was a faulty process by by all of us. Okay, um, you know, I, I look back at my very first draft. Uh, it was a football guys. My first draft of the year. Um. And I I drafted Josh Jacobs in the fifth round. And I remember thinking back then uh, that that was a good value for a full-time back. And the narrative on him really started to solidify in those early months of drafting. You know, he, he was looked at as, I think, a big factor was when they didn't pick up his option. And, you know everybody and and McDaniel going to there and everything and you know his uh the New England uh consistent plan of the last decade of multiple backs and using well and the drafting of Amir White there was a lot of reasons why people talked themselves out of Jacobs but I don't think we did a good job on that, and and, and I'll tell you why. When when I picked Jacobs in that first draft, I looked at him as first of all, his his um, his history with with the Raiders was as a, you know, oftentimes a three down back and growing into that role. He was definitely the goal line back. He was definitely the the early down back. But last year he had had the most catches. Yeah, of his career, he had 50 some odd catches, and for some reason, he got put into that uh early down role. I think maybe partially, you know, you brought up uh Abdullah and you brought up Zamir White, but at the time, those early months, Drake was still there as well. Yeah, and I think, um, I think people just looked at the McDaniel and 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 coming from the Patriots and Jacobs and them not picking up his. His, his option and bypassed his history and looked instead at the type of back they wanted him to be. He wasn't an exciting back. He wasn't, you know, somebody that got the blood pumping. You know, he wasn't ETN, you know, somebody new and exciting with that crazy skill set. He was more of a thumper. Um, and, and, you know, people put him into that box and we all bought into that, including me, who initially liked him. And then I'm passing on him in the seventh round. I look back on that and I kick myself because if I just stayed with that initial mindset, instead of, you know, we, we talk about, you know, sheep think group group think, right. There was a group think with Jacob and and a lot of players like him. And uh, I think we, we all made a mistake. And, And the second part of it that that was also a mistake is even if the process was right and you drop, you drop him down a bit, you out of the, the fourth round and into the fifth and you know, down to there comes a point where you gotta say, hey, he's still the main guy. He's still got value. Let me grab him here. Why am I grabbing this other upside guy? If he just does what he did last year, the upside from the sixth round is is huge. Now, if he builds on that, you know, his upside is tremendous. And and we got too focused on his downside. And didn't look at anything else, and he, you know, people were struggling to pick him in the seventh and eighth round, and now we could all kick ourselves.
3: Adam, yeah, he, he went oh, from uh, just, just to add to what just thirty-three receptions uh, in twenty-twenty, all the way up to fifty-four. I mean, you see that big hike, and we're still sitting there going, you know, not seeing the progression with the guy. And like you said, going with that three-down back, Dan. We say it often on this show: we don't know shit. Right, And that's one of those where just taking that approach would give you some Jacob shares and, again, just zigging when everyone else is zagging. Two simple, basic things that we can apply here and, and would have given you some of these Jacob Jacob shares. Go ahead. Uh.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I think I, I don't want to rehash a lot of what Glenn said. Glenn's right about a lot of that stuff. I think a lot of it, too, is how you were building your rosters over, over the summer. I think if you went running back heavy early, I don't think you were looking at a guy like Josh Jacobs, who was maybe considered a you know a dead zone RB to be added to your roster when you were looking at maybe some of these higher upside receivers. I mean, he hadn't really given us any – I mean, even in his healthy games, so he missed three games last year. Even in his in his 14 healthy games, he was 14th among our, RBs and PPR points per game. So, fine, that's fine but no, you know, it wasn't like he was a top five back in points per game. And like we should. So I think a lot of that had to do with no one saw this type of kind of efficiency coming. And I get, I think too, it's all about the timing of this game. If this game was week four, I don't think we, we would all be kind of going crazy over the fact that, Oh my gosh, how did we make such a horrible mistake? I think, again, it had to, to do a lot with your roster c- construction you know, this is all being said, like I, I, my, my best main event team that I have left has Josh Jacobs on it, but it's, but it's a Josh Jacobs, Kenneth Walker, you know, Justin Jefferson, you know, heavy receiver team. And so we're able to, you're able to really capitalize when you can get those late running backs and those early elite receivers. So I think a lot of the the high volume drafters, at least the ones that we're doing zero RB hero, RB. Those are the teams that are able to kind of capitalize on the Josh Jacobs because of kind of the roster build. Um, just to kind of piggyback along with everything else that you said, but he
3: he also gave us top top three production guys from week five to week seven. Was it week? Sorry, week four to week seven. Week seven, right? Yeah.
4: Um, Yo, yeah. So it's
3: not like this isn't no. the only. Oh, sure, no, without without a doubt. I mean, he's sure. been he's been there all year.
0: Um, it's. I'm, I'm I'm interested to hear what Dan has to say, but I will also bring the bring up that people freaked out because he was used in that first preseason game, and they they rested the other starters and they played Josh Jacobs and I think that kind of like broke the levy where people were like oh it's it, you know it's it's avoid Josh Jacobs time, but I think that was one of the biggest lessons learned for me is preseason usage for running backs. I think there's certain coaches in the league who who want to see guys get reps. Mike Tomlin used Najee Harris, despite him being a little banged up, uh, a little, little more in the preseason than than some other coaches. So I think the the narrative that we want to see everyone rested for preseason games, I think that that's coach specific, and I think we also learn a lesson with Glenn hit the nail on the head, and I think like we we were correct where we liked Brees, Brees Hall as a draft pick, that's not something you can you can check your process and say, you know, we should have seen an injury. Like, in the Go District, we were bullish on Brees Hall. We were bullish on Travis Etienne. Uh, and I think we were correct on those things. But at the same time, Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders, and Josh Jacobs get pushed down, despite being the obvious picks uh, from their backfield for, for, for whatever reasons. And I think that all all three of those guys are going to finish somewhere in like the top, you know, 14 uh running backs and I think when we go back in the summer we need to kind of really take a
3: look and, and see what the market is doing Answer 1912's question Theo and maybe go around the clock do a quick quick guy rapid fire on it
0: I I'm am, I'm am not taking him in the first round but I think that depending first on or second the, I think this the second round based on I mean he's 24 years old. He's one of the youngest uh RB1s right now. I I it's too early to say, but I think the second round, more likely than not, he'd be a guy that I'm probably going to fade if his if his ADP goes up from the sixth round to the first round. I'm out on pretty much any player. We saw that, you know, with a couple guys this year. But uh, Dan, where where are you at?
1: Yeah. So a couple things. I mean, first off, um, you know, we talk about steady drum beats of uh, you know news or whatever coming out of uh, out of camps. You know, when you when you see a guy not get his fifth round or fifth year option picked up and then they go out and they draft another running back and then you know he's starting in the hall of fame game and none of the other starters are starting you know that that was the point where the fantasy community just started doing the, the old SpongeBob patrick you know run throw up your arms and run around like crazy uh you know we we thought that's it for for jacobs um uh, you know and i i was definitely one of those where i was i was following that drumbeat and i was like you know I wanted to take Jacobs and I did take Jacobs like uh, Glenn did, you know, early in the season. And I see that and I'm like, yeah, I think I got to come off him a little bit. And, uh, you know, so I just didn't get him on a lot of my most important teams, which, you know, that's that's on me. Um, but as far as uh, as 1912's question goes, I think there's a really good chance that um, he's going to get franchise tags by the Raiders. Um, you know, at this point, I don't know why they wouldn't. Uh, It's going to cost him less than $10 million. So, you know, that's not too bad for a running back. I don't think they've really necessarily seen anything in Zamir White uh, that says they think he's fantastic or anything. Or otherwise, we'd have probably seen him starting to work his way in a little bit more than he has.
0: We also saw two big, big hits from veteran wide receivers. Amari Cooper is wide receiver eight overall. And Tyler Lockett is wide receiver 13 overall. Amari settled in, uh, you know, in the in the NFFC, Glenn, uh, somewhere in the sixth, seventh round when we're in Vegas. Tyler Lockett went a little closer to like round nine or ten. Compare that to a number of the ADP misses. Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Toney, that were younger players. We can throw 2021 Brandon Cooks into this list do fantasy players need to do a better job of identifying veteran wide receivers with previous fantasy success that are potentially hard to high target guys that are discounted by being in a bad offense that people are kind of staying away from. Maybe start with Adam on this one.
2: Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't think you necessarily like all those kind of caveats you just named. I don't think those are necessarily things that we're targeting. I mean, I know recently there's been some success for uh, veteran receivers going to new teams. You got your Stefan Diggs's, you got your Deandre Hopkins, you know, you got, now you get got your Tyree kills, but like for, for years and years and years, it was, it was very difficult for receivers to go from team to team. And, and, And produce in their first year, let alone going to a team that was going to have, you know, a quarterback situation that was going to be a problem for, you know, the first, you know, what's it been 11, 12 weeks of the the season and a team that doesn't really like to throw the ball, you know, really just wants to run the ball. So, I mean, I don't think it was uh, a situation like this is something that we're going to be targeting. And not only that, but, you know, he's going, he was going in the rounds. Like you said, you brought up some players, but I know Theo, you're a big proponent of drafting rookie receivers like this is where you start to really look at a lot of those rookie receivers too in this range so it's hard to like all right I gotta I gotta get the veterans that are switching teams I gotta get the rookie receivers that are coming into the league you know it's hard to kind of um, attack all of those different um, styles of receiver and I think eventually it just has to come out like, like do I trust and Amari Cooper you know he's kind of had he's had a great career statistically but he's always kind of had like that underachiever kind of uh thing over his head even though he had quick, it
0: right you know yeah
2: sour, yep. yeah so I think that was it on that s- situation and so I mean I don't have a ton of him either and I think it sounds like a lot of uh you guys don't either but it's not really something you know receivers changing teams going to run first offenses with quarterbacks that generally aren't very good you know obviously Deshaun Watson's there now but um, it's not something I'll be attacking in the, in, in, in the future, but maybe just like and, – and even you can look at guys like A-Rob as is, is an example, a guy, a veteran that was really good, you know, switched teams. I know we had a bad year last year. Goes to an elite quarterback in what we thought was going to be an elite offense, and he's crashed and burned too. So I don't feel like that's a, that's a situation I'm going to be attacking generally, but, you know, good for Amari, Amari Cooper. Glenn.
5: Well, Amari Cooper – um was somebody that I was I was on early like Jacobs but unlike Jacobs who I kind of got into the negative hype uh, uh as the draft season went along I stayed on Cooper throughout the draft season I I was on him I thought he was being discounted a little too much Part of the reason I was on him <laughs> is um you know anybody who Paid attention to any of my drafts, noticed I probably, probably noticed I drafted a hell of a lot of Deshaun Watson in the 18th, 17th, you know, round back then, especially when I waited on quarterback, i draft a guy like, uh, you know, Derek Carr or somebody pretty cheaply and then pair him up with Deshaun Watson. At the time, you know, we didn't know when he was going to come back, It was going to come back, uh, you know. Seventh week, eighth week at, 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 at some point. But I stayed on Watson. And I kind of, like, reversed, um, you know, paired him up with Cooper. So I would grab Cooper, who was going late, and then pair him up with Watson and hopefully have teams that survive the season and made it to this very important part of the season, and they would become a dynamic um, – a, a dynamic duo uh, – here in the league playoffs and in the overalls. But even beyond that, I did like Cooper. Um I didn't really understand why everybody was fading him so much. He had always been um targeted. Uh he's he's an he's one of the best route runners in in the league and he was going to a team true that that focuses on the run uh, and had an awful quarterback for the first I, I think Jacoby Brissett is awful, but that's just – he's having one of his better seasons, but I'm
3: not a fan at all. Top, top I, 10 I, offense, guys. Top 10 offense.
5: Yes. I, I got the fact that people were afraid of that offense and what Cooper would be on that offense, but he was going to be the number one receiver no matter what in that offense. You know, Landry was gone. OBJ was gone. Uh, Hooper was gone. Najoku, who, who knew what he was going to be, TPJ, who knew what he was going to be. If they were going to throw, Amari Cooper was going to be the first look on almost every single pass, right? They're not going to run every play. And a number one receiver has value no matter what team he's on. And he's had success with iffy quarterbacks before. I, I don't know what you think about Derek Carr, but he had great seasons with Carr. Um, so you know, I just saw him at some, as somebody, especially where he was going as the draft season went along, sixth, seventh, eighth round, as somebody who was very valuable as a number three or four receiver, uh, which you could get him if you, if you went receiver heavy in the first you know seven rounds, you could easily make him a three or four. And what's wrong with a floor guy like that who also has some upside? Uh, once Deshaun Watson came back, and that's the way I looked at it, and I liked him. Um, as far as the young guys, listen, we all love those teams. We all love putting together that team with all the young, explosive, high upside players. When you're done with that draft and you manage to get those guys on your team, that's a team that looks like if everything goes right, you have a team that can compete for everything right we all love putting together that team but you know everything's got to go right and and sometimes getting those floor guys those guys that you know on a bad week still get you eight to 12 points you know those guys have value too and you don't have to have every single player on your team be an explosive guy i know a lot of people prescribe to that subscribe to that and I, you know some of the best players in the world every pick's got to have major upside. And for the most part, I agree. But I think there are some players, because of where they're going and because of the team you're constructing, that floor guy will have value because you still have to make it to the playoffs, right? And you still need to get your foundation point. So, you know, a guy like Cooper, a guy like Lockett, while they're not exciting, while they're not going to, when you draft them and look at your team afterwards, you're going to be, you know, jumping up and down, Um, you know, when when the season's going, oftentimes those are the kind of players that, that help make your team what it is and, and, and be successful week to week.
0: Dan, your thoughts on that? And may, maybe, Dan, you could also talk a little bit. Um, do you think that the market was chasing unknown upside a little bit too much this year? Uh, I know I was guilty of it based on how the Jamar Chases and the Debo Samuels did in 20, uh, 2021 drafts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's always going to be a little bit of that. Um, you know, rookie wide receivers are no longer, you know, just an automatic fade anymore. Uh, NFL teams are getting them on the field and, uh, you know, getting them targets uh, right away in the rookie season. So it's, it's bad for business to just completely fade those rookie receivers. Um, you know, for me, Cooper was a, a fade for two reasons. One, um, I just didn't like Jacoby Brissett. The Cleveland offense I felt was very run heavy and uh you know amari cooper not not just last year but uh throughout his career has a history of putting up a lot of you know like six to ten point games and then throwing up a, a 30 or 40 burger which is great when you get that 30 or 40 but uh, you know if if you don't have that coming on at least a semi-regular basis or even you know a, a 15 to 20 point week it gets really tough to keep them in your starting lineup even though you know sooner or later that thing's going to happen it just gets really hard to you know keep putting six to nine points in your lineup um, if you think you might have a better option. So that's that was why I kind of stayed away from Cooper. Um, with with Lockett again, it was kind of the quarterback situation. I certainly didn't trust uh, um, you know any of the quarterbacks that that they had at Seattle. I thought it was going to be kind of a you know they were going to be shooting for the number one overall pick. And um, you know I did like Tyler Lockett enough that I I, I was taking him some. At, at where he was going, but I certainly wasn't going to push him up at all. Um, but I think the main problem we have is there's, every year there's about 36, 38 uh, wide receivers that are all, you know, they're going to be a wide receiver two or better. You know, and the math just doesn't work. You know, there's, there's only 24 wide receiver two or better. So there's going to be a bunch of wide receivers that we all think have a great chance to be a wide receiver two or better that are going to end up being busts. So you know, I I think it's just a little bit, maybe too much confidence in uh, in what we know going in.
0: The Tyler Lockett one was interesting for me. I drafted more of him than Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper, I took in the last NFFC draft of the year, and I was like not happy with it. It was like one of those runs. I grabbed my Amari, and he ended up being a a big player for me this season. But Tyler Lockett, I drafted uh, quite a few times. I just. For me, it was we've seen such production out of the guy for multiple seasons and for him to fall into a wide receiver four range. It just, even if the QB play was bad, it made no sense. And I think you see, you know, kind of overcorrections for some of these guys. The Tyler Lockett one definitely
3: didn't make sense. Theo, we could, you could even add uh, Christian Kirk, I think, to that. And, you Kirk, know, we talk about Cooper. Kirk, Kirk,
0: Kirk a little younger, though, because somebody corrected me on this one on Twitter. Kirk no, like no, I, I know, but
3: I'm just, if you go back to what Glenn was talking about, Cooper was one of the first guys that was signed. So maybe sometimes just following the money is, is you know, you talk about Cooper going to Cleveland, like Glenn said, he's he's at least giving you a floor. He's at least getting, getting a, a big target share there because they just paid them. man. Kirk was another guy. People weren't that excited about going to Jacksonville. Oh, they paid him too much money. What is he right now? Top 24 at least.
0: Yeah, he's gonna be. He's gonna finish like top t- top. 15. So I get the
3: age is diff- is different there, and like I said, just to add, Seattle and Cleveland, two top ten offenses right now. When you look points per game produce that we didn't expect, guys. Let's face it. And let's see when we're not seeing Geno Smith coming, guys. Geno Smith, baby, my new savior. I love it. You
5: know, one more thing about uh, about something that's being said about these uh, these players. Yeah, everybody was worried about. Uh, Geno, of course, uh, or Drew Locke. At the time, it was still unknown which direction they were going to go in. And of course, Jacoby Brissett, you know, um, I'm still worried about him. Uh, But, um, you know, some of the players that you mentioned that were going around the same range that had more upside that people were excited about, uh, and Elijah Moore, you know, I'm a Jet fan, so it pains me to say this, but Zach Wilson was a scary quarterback as well. But that didn't scare anybody off from Elijah Moore, uh, Kadarius Tony, again being from New York. Uh, Daniel Jones, I get to see him quite a bit. Uh, you know, not the most uh, confidence that he's going to be a superstar quarterback, whether now or in the preseason. Yet people were grabbing Tony, even when he was hurt, right, for that upside. Um, I think sometimes we do get infatuated with those flashes those those flashes that come that everybody thinks is is going to become a regular thing and for some players they do but not all of them and you know one big difference about now uh then when i started in high stakes fantasy football is you know the social media is such a great greater factor for fantasy football and fantasy sports than it ever was so when someone has that Splash play, that young guy out of nowhere. It is everywhere. I mean, literally everywhere. And everybody starts to salivate and want that player because they think it's going to be everywhere. And, well, a guy like Cooper, who's not as flashy, just goes out and does his job, or a guy like Lockett, who's not as flashy, goes out and does his job, Jacobs, and so on. You know, those guys, you know, they're not going to make Twitter highlight films, you know, every day. And Um, you know, they're going to be, you know, that guy that doesn't get that blood pumping, like I said earlier. And it's easy to fade those guys. It's easy to pass on those guys when you see that one player, Tony, who had two amazing games last year, but did he play at all the rest? But everybody wanted because of that upside and that, that hype, that social media really brings to the table uh, nowadays. Those Tony training camp videos did get my blood <laughs> boiling. I
0: mean, those things, those things were incredible, some of those catches we saw at training camp. But one one guy who's not a disappointment this year, who's absolutely smashing, and we'll give this one to Adam because he's been a big proponent of drafting him over the years. Travis Kelsey is on another planet. He is, is outscoring tight end five and tight end six combined right now. He leads the league in touchdown receptions. He would be a top three running back. He would be a top three wide receiver how much of a cheat code has he been even with his high adp and adam where do you think he ends up next season in 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 terms of redraft adp
2: yeah he's been not <clears throat> enough to talk about how great he's been we all know how great he's been um he's he's car- he's single-handedly carrying my 5k team in the ffpc um so i absolutely love what he's done this year um to me, it's a it's a it's a portfolio thing for for Kelsey. So, I tend to really target. You know, you obviously don't want to be too overweight on any player because if you get an injury, you know, you're screwed. Stuff like that. So, so I tend to lean elite tight end in tight end premium styles with the FFPC, and then kind of fade the elite tight ends in the FFWC and Kentucky and the NFFC, just for up from my uh, personal portfolio pr- perspective. But in the, in the FFPC next year, he's going to go again in the first round. And I just don't know, 34 next year, I think? 30, 30, 34 30, next year. 30, a 34. Day. And I think it's just going to be a situation where it's just going to be a, a portfolio thing for me. I'll do enough drafts where I can kind of get as much or as little of him as I want. And it's, you know... To me, it's all about injury. It's not even about, like, drop-off in, in, like, talent at thir- 34. Because even, like you said, you just threw the numbers up there. Even a, a massive drop-off, and he's still – that was the whole thing about Cooper Cup going into the year. Like, if he doesn't get hurt, even with a – a massive drop off like a regression to the mean he's still gonna be he, he just big, turned
3: 33 by the way he just okay. turned 33
2: so he'll just turn 34 middle of next year so and tight ends do last longer i mean look at gates look at tony gonzalez you got all those situations. so you know i, I don't want to get too ahead of myself here i'm sure i'll have plenty of him but you know it's a situation where i don't see um his stats regressing regressing so much from him just getting old and slow because he has that elite quarterback. He is the main, the main guy there. It's just, can he stay healthy and the guy's always healthy. So, you know, he, he never misses games, never misses plays. So I think he's a guy at that position when you're healthy, you can last long. And so um, he's a guy that I'll probably be targeting if I want that elite tight end in, in, in the first round. Glenn and Dan.
5: I could kick myself again. <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, like Josh Jacobs. Uh, again, I wasn't hype-hyped over Josh Jacobs. I just thought he was a value very uh, very early in the process. Uh, but Kelsey, I was all over heading into the drafts. I thought he was amazing. Uh, I thought the Tyreek Hill move made Kelsey ridiculously valuable. Mahomes is going to get him the ball. Uh, he was going to be targeted like – a a number one wide receiver at the tight end position. I was all over him. And in, in that very first draft I brought up earlier, I drafted him third in the, in the uh, football guys, you know, tight end premium Drafted him third. And, uh, you know, I drafted him a few times early, but then, you know, again, you know, you you get into these drafts and you start thinking things through and, um, Another guy I was into early, so it's not all good players, you know. Another guy I was into early, very into, bought the hype completely, was Kyle Pitts, and he was going later, (laughs) you know. So here I was, you know, I shifted. I'm like, you know, this guy can do what maybe what Kelsey does, and I can get him and and tie him into an elite running back or, you know, an elite wide receiver one, and still get Kelsey production, which I thought at the time Pitts could do. And obviously a lot of people did. By the time we got the Vegas drafts, uh, you know, Pitts was going in some drafts before Kelsey. Um, and it, it, his hype had gone over the moon. And obviously it didn't pan out for myself or anybody else. But um, Kelsey, love him. And, and like Adam said, tight ends last. You know, uh, you, you worry about age for any player, any athlete, but tight kind of ends do seem to last a little longer. The way he plays, he's so savvy. You know, He's not just physical talent, which he has tremendous ability, but he's so savvy out there in his route running when he has the ball, yards after catch. Is there ever a time he's crossing the middle and catches the ball anywhere in the red zone, 20-yard line, where it doesn't seem that somehow he gets into the end zone? You know, and and it's it's amazing how good he is out in the field. So I think he's still going to be very valuable next year. I think he's still a guaranteed first rounder in tight end premium, and probably a solid second rounder in in other formats.
3: Theo, let me let me jump in real quick because we're forty five deep. I know we got about thirty I left. Sorry, I Theo. Le- le- okay. Go ahead.
0: I said one follow up for Dan and Glenn, our right, go, ahead, go ahead. people. It seemed like Kelsey and NFFC was going somewhere between that somewhere around like 20, right around 24, I think would be usually be the cutoff for him. So a lot of times with the, with the third round reversal would play in where it was like an opportunity cost where do I take Kelsey and maybe I miss out on like a Mike Evans, uh, a wide receiver who, you know, we saw like an end of a tier. Do you think that was kind of, poor process to trying to chase those back end wide receiver ones when we had a potential big-time tight end one there. Uh, maybe, Dan, you want to take that one?
1: Yeah, for me, Kelsey was um, – I, I should have drafted more of him, but um, it, it was basically due to I thought – I didn't think he would be this much better than the field. Uh, you know, the the extent that he's been better than everyone else is just ridiculous this year. And that's partially on uh, some of the other options like, uh, you know, Mark Andrews, um, Darren Waller, you know, getting hurt, uh, missing time, Kittle kind of, you know, being more of a blocker. You know, just uh, I thought there were going to be chances to make that up a little bit more in the draft than what there were. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know. For me, when I was on that turn, I wasn't taking Kittle because of exactly that reason. I was like, I want to either, you know, I want to come out of here with two wide receivers and a running back, or maybe two running backs and a wide receiver, depending on, you know, who was there. But I just wasn't really that focused on tight end at that point. So that that was a mistake for me. Clint
5: format definitely matters. You know, um, wide rece- wide receivers go quick. In the nffc Mm -hmm. they go even quicker in the ffwc whether it's the right process or not it's just fact you know uh people want to get those three wide receiver positions filled they want a wide receiver in their flex and they're going to do anything they can to do it um and and they don't want to most players in the high stakes level there are players who do the zero running back but most players don't and most players like to have at least one Uh, go-to running back and those four wide receivers. So if you're going running back in in an early round and then trying to bang four wide receivers, it's tough to fit a tight end in there. But it would have worked out amazing. Because, again, the difference, like you say, between him and any other tight end is a wide receiver. So you're getting a wide receiver and their tight end and, you know, if you can hit on a late wide receiver like Garrett Wilson uh, or Christian Watson today or somebody like that uh, to tie into a Kelsey type, hey, you're, 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 you're looking good going into the uh, big money weeks.
0: We hit on Josh Jacobs. We hit on Travis Kelsey. Stay in the AFC West. We've seen disastrous... Hold up, hold up
3: Theo. Theo. Let, let's give our uh, our partners a quick plug, brother. Let me just uh, jump oh, yeah. in real quick. Gotta, All right. I know, I know Theo's anxious, man. No, He's anxious. He's got to pay the bills here, JD. Yeah, we, well, you know, we are, are friends over at FFPC. They and, and guys, let's face it. Not everybody is winning every league right now. So if you can, you know, finish the season off with a little 10K bink on the FFPC, I mean... That makes the whole season all better, right? So, right now, the weekly challenge, guys, is still going on. We're only in week 13. $35 entry, $200 entry, myffpc.com. Win up to 10 Genos right now. There's a link below. Click on it. You sign up, you'll get a bonus from the G District. Theo, I know you're anxious, brother. Get back to it. I know. I know. I know, man. You're fresh off that U.S. win. You're just – the blood is just <laughs>
0: – I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight, Jamie.
3: Uh, Adam and I are going to get
0: in the DMs and just talk, just, uh, talk to us. Yes. Post-show Post- joy on the soccer game. Nice. So something that's a little less joyous than the U.S. men's national team moving on in the World Cup is the disastrous results we've seen from the Denver Broncos. This is a team that was hyped in the preseason – It was a popular team to stack not only in best ball, but also in redraft. Dan and I did that once with a football guys team that would have turned out a lot better if we would have just uh, gone with literally any other quarterback wide receiver combination than our Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, Russell Wilson stack. Is there any lesson that we can learn here? I will bring up the Dan who always has really sharp takes during the summer brought up Nathaniel Hackett's uh, pace of play and that was kind of a a red flag and he 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 brought up it could have been on Aaron Rodgers, it could have been on Hackett but Dan was one of the only people I in all of fantasy football I heard that kind of talked about it a little bit this summer were there any other red flags that we should have seen coming and is there any lessons to
2: be learned in this disastrous Denver offense start with Adam yeah, I know it's it's just tough sometimes to think like what like like how could, you know whenever we're, we're draft planning or even projecting for a player is you know what are the what, what are the possible outcomes and I think you know it was tough to see this situation and going in in the beginning of the year I wanted to blame it all on Hackett uh, but since then you know um, I think. I've just seen a lot of footage come out from really smart people on, you know, showing clips of actual plays where Russell Wilson can't run basic reads in basic offensive schemes. Right. I mean, I've seen, I've seen uh, clips that they've broken down where, you know, it's the most basic routes against, Cover three, the defense is showing cover three. They run this route against to beat cover three, and Russ looks and just doesn't throw it and bails, and he's out of there. So I don't want to blame it on Nathaniel Hackett. I'm not a Nathaniel Hackett guy. Uh, I'm a Syracuse fan, unfortunately, being from upstate New York. He was in Syracuse, Doug Marone, Jacksonville, Green Bay. Like He just has never been anything special at all. I thought it was a terrible hire to to begin with. So I don't want to blame it all on Nathaniel Hackett. I think it's more on Russell Wilson – Um, going forward there, but I don't think it was super hard to see this coming for, for this offense with the amount of talent that they've had. Now they lost Javante early, you know, they've had Jerry Judy in and out, in and out of the lineup. So they've had the weapons, uh, be in and out, but again, they're just not scoring any points and, and, and they just look embarrassing, right? You can just count it every third down. If I was the type of guy that was, that was live betting plays, during games, you know, every third down, he's going to snap the ball, look up, look down and get sacked. Like that's just what Russell Wilson's going to do on third down. So I don't necessarily know wh- from a dynasty perspective, where to go from here with them. Because, you know, I thought I saw some stats today. You have the cap hit next year for him is like a hundred million dollars. You can't, you can't, you know, they, they can't get rid of him. They can't get off of him for the next couple of years, but you got some really good young weapons there. Like, what do you, Well, what are you doing? You you can't sell them. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I play dynasty. I'm not as big into dynasties. I know you guys are, but like, what do you, you know, what do you think you can get for a Judy or a Sutton who's tied to this Broncos offense for the next, the next two years, you got to hope for to for Hackett to get fired, which you probably, yeah. you're not
3: selling now you're waiting for the news in the off season or or change to happen. Yeah. But guys, all all I got to say, Adam, do you remember 2011 the Philadelphia Eagles you guys remember that dream team coming into the, yes. the from the offseason? That no, was I and I mentioned it I mentioned it on this show a few times, Dan. I don't know if you remember in the offseason, as much as I did draft a lot of stacks with Denver, I, that just kept resonating in the back of my head, man. That dream team when there's so much hype behind something again, you know, zigging when other people are zagging.
1: Yeah, I I didn't mind having, you know, a share of Sutton or a share of Judy or whatever, I kind of shied a little bit away more from Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, as Theo mentioned, we did have that that one team where we stacked it all together, but you know, I I didn't have any problem with that. I mean, it was just one team, so you yeah,
0: know. it was. And this was a football guy's team. This was not yep. a main event,
1: right? Exactly. You know, so I mean, you know, sometimes you got to go into it with the idea of you know, hey, I might be wrong. Um, you know, pace was definitely a concern for me, but you know, sometimes. Uh, you know, things just don't work out like I think they're going to. So I'm, I'm always trying to grab at least a little bit of, uh, you know, even players I'm totally fading if, you know, if, if they're cheap enough, which all those guys were. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I, I think we all kind of wanted to believe that Russell Wilson was a lot better than what he's looking like. He is, you know, we wanted to believe that Pete Carroll was a problem and it looks like maybe Russell Wilson was a problem.
0: That well, is true. Yeah, well, it's, on the true. train wreck.
5: What a disaster. I mean, seriously. <laughs> and it was a disaster from the first game. I remember watching right. that game in Vegas against Seattle and how many opportunities they had in the red zone that they could not convert. And um, it, it you, you said to yourself, okay, Russell Wilson, new team, Nathaniel Hackett, new coach. They'll get it together. They never did. And, and I think those two guys, you know, that's the problem. You know, Javante Williams, of course, getting injured that hurts. Um, Sutton and 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 Judy got hurt for a while there, and Sutton hasn't been uh, the difference maker. A lot of us, including myself, might might have thought he he would be on this um, uh, new newer uh, iteration of the of, of the Broncos, but I think it comes down to Hackett and Wilson. Listen, you a uh, great teams have great leaders. They take they take. Um, on the personality of their of their coach or their or their quarterback, the most important people on the team leadership wise. Uh, and Hackett looks scared all the time to me. Uh, he's, he's a terrible decision maker. That plays, and let's face it, I didn't know this before the season, but I'm convinced now that Russell Wilson is weird. You know, he's just a strange guy. Um, That's right. (laughs) He's just a strange guy. And, you know, maybe that team in Seattle growing up together with Pete Carroll also, um, you know, who kind of settles things down, kind of coach, uh, you know, that played all right and was hidden. And, and, um, you know, Russell Wilson's talents were able to be – to come through more. But now with Hackett – unable to shield him, um, and Wilson, you know, just being a strange guy, I think the whole team kind of feels that, feels off balance, feels off, and and it's just not playing well. And, um, you know, I think it's more than just the players. I think it's the leadership there, and I, 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 think, it, I think they're obviously doomed this year, but they're going to have to make changes uh, to improve next year. I think Hackett should go. Uh, I agree. There's not much they can do with Wilson, but they need a strong coach there to to rein things in and get them moving in the right direction. Again.
0: It's it's an interesting deep dive for for J.D. and Dan, especially for like us this summer is these new coaches and, and diving into the offenses because, you know, betting on Mike McDaniel, you know, really paid off. He's a new coach. Brian Dable was able to get more out of Daniel Jones and get Saquon Barkley back on track. Um, but it's really hard to predict. There's always like one dud in these, these new head coaching jobs. And it was like the, the team that was most, most heavily drafted had the, the most disastrous results. So it's like a perfect storm of crushing fantasy players and just being kind of shocking. Uh, the, uh kind of a quicker question here, uh, Glenn mentioned Javante Williams. Uh, we'll start with Brees Hall, uh, Glenn and I both live on long Island. You know, we watch a lot of the jets games. It was just really horribly sad. Not only for my Brees Hall shares, but for Jets fans in general, when Brees Hall went down with an injury, he was on track to be a locked in, you know, top six running back, displayed fantastic talent catching the ball and running the ball. Javante Williams also displayed some talent in a kind of a bad situation, but I think we could all agree that he's a capable running back. How likely are you guys to draft a running back like this? Coming off of an injury next season, uh, do you view uh, injuries as a discount or something where you wanna wanna stay away from entirely? So you diving in or you staying away, Adam?
2: Yeah, usually I'm the guy that 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 dives in on the discount, who just kind of disregards, you know, oh, you know, it's just coach speak or oh, it's just the media or whatever talking about players return. Oh, they want to be safe, they want to return slowly, but. You know, Jake this JK Dobbins situation really is one of those that kind of turned me on to the fact that, yeah, maybe it's you know maybe it's really truly is a player by player. You know, I think I've just been so spoiled. Maybe some of us have with the, you know, Adrian Peterson coming back off an ACL in like four months and being like the MVP. And it's just like, man, like if he can do it, why can't, you know everybody do it and then you know Godwin gets hurt Godwin doesn't go on the pup or anything he plays but he doesn't score for nine weeks nine ten weeks he didn't he hasn't looked great kind of up until now so I think I'm a little bit more cautious with with these players coming off ACLs and I think I'm a little bit more in tune or I'm going to be more in tune to um, really, the coach speak and kind of how they're going to bring them along. Uh, I know that the Dobbin's one was interesting because Dobbin's like, "Hey, I'm ready week one," and the coach is like, "No, he's not playing. <laughs> like, we don't want to play." Him. And then he comes back and re-injured, and here we are again. So, I think to me, it's a player by player basis. Kind of keep your ear to the ground and see what the player's saying. See what kind of the medical experts are saying around it. Because uh, I, I, am the type of guy that initially goes in and buys that dip. But I also don't want to be stuck again with a and again Dobbins is a different scenario because you know there was quite well he's, he's not even going to be is he that valuable even if he does play he's not going to get the catches and the, you know the offense isn't that explosive he's sharing with Gus Edwards all the other stuff but aside, aside from that like I love Brees Hall man I, I had him everywhere and it was just so devastating to a lot of a lot of the shares to see him go go down but you know if he's going to be on the pop I mean when do you take a guy like that if he doesn't play the first six weeks. Glenn, in or out?
5: Uh, you know what? I'm very similar to Adam. I was uh, I was that guy that always looked at the name and, and the history, and, and he was going to come back as good as he was. And if he does, what does that mean for my team, getting him three rounds later than I would have, or four rounds later, or wherever he goes? But, you know... I think, like Adam, I'm a little bit more cautious now than, than I have been um, in previous years. Um, you get burned a few times. And, and uh, you know, when you're playing high-stakes fantasy, you know, it, it costs money. And, um, but, you know, Brees Hall is, that, is, is more than just a physical back. And I, you have to look at what type of back they are also. Uh, Brees Hall's got amazing vision. He's got great hands. He's he, he's more than just his, you know, injured body part. And if that body part comes back, even not full strength, his other skills can carry him to still elite production. You know, who are we getting? Are we getting ETN? who came off an injury last year, got off to a slow start, but then became everybody. We we He became the player we all hoped he would be, right? Before getting hurt again last week and killing me, by the way. <laughs> or are we oh getting get me started on that Glenn we're, we're gonna he really cost me last week, but I won't say oh, that. I,
0: it's it was just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, painful. Da- Dan, you you have a philosophy on, on injured running backs.
1: I, I mean for the most part I'm I'm going to di- you know, I'm not gonna take him where most people are taking him. Uh you know it and part of it is you know like adrian peterson uh you know yeah he came back but i mean that guy's a freak and we've known that for years i mean you know there are few very few physical specimens like adrian peterson um there are very few people who work as hard uh at their craft as adrian peterson did um you know and, and part of it too is just kind of like the degrees of um you know like there's acls and then there's acls like saquon's Two years ago was a really bad ACL. Um, he tore other ligaments. I mean, it was it was an extensive knee injury. Last year you couldn't have paid me to draft Saquon. This year I was all over him. Uh, you know, and that worked out pretty good. I think Javante is going to be kind of that guy for me because he had the same sort of knee injury. It's uh, you know it's more than one ligament. Um, I just I I don't I don't want to get involved in Javante next year. I don't think. But Brees Hall, I think, was much more of a, a simple ACL. Depending on where he goes in the draft. Now, if he's going the first round, I'm probably out. Um, if he's going like late second or early third or something like that, like he, you know, then yeah, I could I could definitely get in there. Even if he goes like mid second or something, I'll probably just get a share or two. Um, but I, yeah, if he's going in the first, I just I don't see it. Um, I, you know, I I think you've got to have a way to to get around him starting slow and that's tough to do when you've got a, a first round pick on him. Yeah, I don't
0: I don't think he'll 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 hit the first round, but I think again that mid second round is a is a reasonable um where it's discounted enough and it's I think I think I'm gonna be taking some stabs at Brees Hall. I believe he's a next level type athlete. I think he's a unicorn and I think Glenn makes a good good point that he's such a capable pass catcher. Mm That you know, him being grounded, run into the ground uh, doesn't doesn't scare me as much. Um, So I'm definitely going to be betting on Brees Hall. J.D., are you going
3: to be back in on those guys next year? I got two words for you guys. Dalvin Cook, 2017, ACL. That's all I got to say.
0: That's a good call. Definitely, definitely a good one. Uh, Mm -hmm. Real quick around the horn. How did you guys handle your Cooper Cup shares? Are you holding him or did you cut him? Adam. I, I, or, I'm sorry, Dan, go ahead. Yeah.
1: I mean, I held him, um, but I don't think right now so far, uh, NFFC yet to be determined, but, but my FFPC, I don't have any uh, that went to the playoffs that had Cooper Cup weirdly enough. So I, I don't need to worry about that. But I would I, I would say, you know, I don't know. I, I, I was a little bit more bullish, but the way the the Rams' offense looks right now; they might just shut them down. Uh, so I might be tempted to cut them a little bit more than uh, I would have been last week.
0: Glenn or Adam? Um.
3: Oh, you're on mute. You're on Adam, mute, bro.
2: Sorry. Uh, yeah, I lean towards towards cut. I've got one. Uh, I got a, I actually got one or two Cooper Cup teams that got in, uh, which sucks. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards cut again, depending on. With the week fourteen buys and stuff like that, it seems like they're shutting everybody down. Aaron Donald now has an ankle, and and just so I I just think this they're just gonna shut the whole team down. There's no reason to bring him back with a week left or something like that. So uh, yeah, I, I lean towards towards cut.
5: Yeah, pretty much the same. You know, if I have an easy spot. Um, and and cups there and you know there's nobody else to pick up that I really want or need you know I might keep him there just in case but he's an easy drop you know when when we hit uh, what did you call it by mageddon by, by mageddon. Mageddon, part two trademarked trade by Theo by <laughs> and you're looking John for- Don Bagel's using it it's catching on it, it's <laughs> definitely a winner it should be patented but um, it's under the Goat District patent door. when you're looking for that player to drop that we discussed earlier, he's an easy one because the chances of him coming back are slim. Even if he comes back, what's he going to give you? So, you know, it's painful to cut the name, but the the actual production you're going to get out of him, it's not that hard to give give up.
3: Theo, just just to add on this, just a question that wasn't on the show sheet that I'm just curious to ask all four of you guys. Now we kind of get where t- we're, we're starting to see where teams are nfl wise you know going into the playoffs making it the run of the playoffs dead looking at next year throwing in the towel how does that affect how you play guys uh in your start sits do you look at that do you look like hey you know carolina's probably not making an effort i'm you know hesitant to throw in dj more does that play a factor for you guys i don't know who who wants to start on that one but i think that might be relevant to uh this time of year
5: well, I'll comment on DJ Moore. You know, one recent change that's going to work out for him is Sam Bradford, because uh, not Bradford, uh Donald. 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 He loves DJ Moore. You know, last year, you know, when when he was quarterback and he threw to DJ Moore, might have been a ninety-nine percent target share. It seemed like he only had eyes for him, and um, you know, he he showed that again this week. So, you know, it, it's it's a combination of factors. You know, you bring up Carolina. Sam Donald's trying to prove himself, you know, and and there are players on that team that that are going to try to prove themselves, including the coach. So, you know, they're I, – I can see them – and they've been kind of a tough out in, in some weeks. You know, they've had some, some, some tough, tough games against some tough competition. Um, they're not a great team by any stretch, but I don't I, – as long as a team is – Putting in a weekly effort, I think you can still bank on them. A team like the Rams, who we spoke about earlier, who show you that, you know, last year was the, uh, we're mailing it in now, we'll we'll try to reboot for next year. I mean, that's a team that is kind of a little bit more dangerous to bank on at all. So I guess it depends. It doesn't necessarily matter on the win-loss, but it matters on the culture of the team and, and how they're, looking at these next few weeks
2: yeah i love that you guys brought up K- carolina he's actually a guy head down dj Moore was a guy head down is my like uh guy for the three-week sprint they've got the number schedule. one yeah. number one receiver schedule down the stretch pittsburgh detroit tampa all good weather games um and he's been great like you said glenn he's been great with everybody but but baker Mayfield uh right. over his career so as long as baker's not not playing dj moore's a guy i know he's not a I know he didn't go in like wide receiver three range. He's more of a high end wide receiver two where he's being drafted, but he might not make a lot of these uh, playoff rosters. So if if you got DJ Moore, I think you're in really really great shape down the stretch. Well, let's stick with that question because we're
0: we're getting deep into the show. Last year, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Devin Singletary, Rashad Penny were kind of the heroes that came out of nowhere. Where if we would have talked about them in Week Twelve, Week Thirteen, and said these are the league winners you probably would have laughed in my face. Adam, you bring up DJ Moore. Do you have anybody else that kind of stands out to you that could be an impactful potential league winner among these kind of under-the-radar guys?
2: Yeah, you know, it's hard because I, I I hear under-the-radar and I think like guys that were drafted later, but some of these guys are under-the-radar because they just haven't really performed and maybe they'll show up d- down the stretch. A guy I really, really wanted to be been on here late was Isaiah, Isaiah Pacheco, but they just signed Melvin Gordon, which is Pacheco so was one of my names. Yeah. yeah same, teams, same. So annoying. I mean, he had 22 carries last week, third best scheduled on the stretch, Houston, Seattle, uh Denver, Denver's not, not great. Obviously but Houston Seattle's awesome. So I really want to see what's going to happen there. It feels like every year they've always got like this under the radar, no name back, Damian Williams, you know, co- comes to mind, a guy that pops for them kind of at the, at, at the end of the year. So I really want Pacheco to be kind of that guy for the heck. It might be Melvin Gordon for all, for all we know. And another guy just re- real quick, that's not an under the radar guy, but like El- Elvin Kamara, he gets Tampa and then he has a buy. So if you can somehow get through, or if you already have a team that is through with, with Elvin Kamara, his running back schedule on the stretch, uh, which I don't have in front of me. Here, is though. the states
3: one of these teams, Adam, that are
2: just like done? Like they're like, what effort are we really going to see? You know? Yeah, may, maybe. I I hope not because their schedule for the running backs and receivers, um, their running back awesome. schedule's top three, and their receiver schedule's top eight down the stretch. And they got some good, you know, Alave. So I I really hope maybe they throw Jameis Winston in there and kind of reboot for the for the for the stretch run, which would be freaking awesome. So. Alvin Kamara is a guy where, man, if you can make it through, if you got an automatic bid Ah. with him, uh, he's not going to be probably on many teams. And I think he's going to be another uh, guy that's going to be there for the three week race.
3: Glenn. Well, like
5: uh, like Adam, I'm looking at at players that didn't necessarily get their teams to the race. Yeah. But now are starting to um, get a little bit more usage and you see kind of like a transition, Um, you know, one guy like that, that he's not definitely going to be a league winner, but he certainly now has the opportunity to show himself and potentially be there Uh, is, is Rashad White. Um, You know, you look at Fournette, you know, everybody knows what Fournette is and, you know, Tampa Bay might be transitioning right now uh, to White and who knows where that goes, you know, right now Fournette will probably have an equal share. But if, if Rashad White ends up becoming the guy there, uh, he he has the skill set to be an explosive uh, fantasy point scorer. Another guy like that is a guy we've all been on for years, but his opportunity is now seems to be taking a firmer hold. A similar situation, older back in front of him, but now the transition is starting to take place. Tony Pollard, you know, he's... Uh, He's he's dynamic. He's amazing. He can put up 30 point weeks. The only thing standing in his way is Zeke. But Zeke is starting to get a little dusty, like Fournette. You know, maybe he's a guy that maybe this is his time and he can become a league winner. Um, on the uh, Pacheco was a guy also that I was I was thinking about. But again, Melvin. But I don't think Melvin Gordon is going to be. I think he's a depth play. Me
0: too. Um,
5: the first time he fumbles on that team, he's going to hit the bench. There's no question in my mind. He but, might not get the opportunity to fumble. I mean, he may he's, not. Like, agree. I think depth, depth. piece yeah. is the nail Macheco on the head. looks like a special guy. So yeah, I'd be surprised if they pull it from him, coming off that week. Uh, I think he's he runs. Have, he yeah. runs kind of like a psychopath at times. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, yes, he's quick as yeah. as can be. He, he fits that team. He really does. On on the wide receiver end, there's a few guys I I, I think that might be coming into their own that can become league winners. You know. Christian Watson, you know, he doesn't get a lot of targets, but the efficiency is off the charts. It seems like if he touches the ball. It's a touchdown, 70-yard touchdown. Even with Jordan Love last week, right? He's so fast. He's so athletic. Um, you know, he he's that kind of player that one play can give you 15 points like that. And I think he, you know, is somebody that can be a difference maker in that run. Another guy, a guy close to my heart. Uh, you know, maybe now with Mike White, you know, who knows, Garrett Wilson. He's a special play. He's a special town. Take it from a
3: Jet fan. He's going to be very, very this. Oh, I got I a lot him. of names are getting crossed off right now, Theo. Uh, I anyways. love that
5: guy. And I have him on a lot of teams. I've been on a lot in that, you know, 10th, 9th, 11th round area. Um, you know, I believe he can really be that guy because he's becoming the wide receiver one there. And now the passing game, if Mike White is real, which, you know, remains to be seen, that passing game might become more efficient. And Carter and Hall being out, you know, you got to rely on the passing game a little more. You know, I i, I think he can be. Those are just a couple of guys I'm saying.
0: What about you, Dan? Anybody we didn't touch on? Yeah, I'll throw out a
1: couple names. I think you know you, you want to look for guys like Gabe Davis, who can just have a monster stretch. Uh, you know, at, at any one time where they could have a you know a, th- a three week barn burner. Um, some guys like uh, you know uh, Hollywood Brown. Um, a lot of his teams might have gotten knocked out just because he wasn't around for so long. Now he's come back, and uh, you know, so if you can make it through that week thirteen and uh, use him. You know, weeks fourteen through seventeen, that might be worth a lot. Uh, I I think you guys have said most of, pretty much everybody else that I was looking at. Um,
3: I, I yeah. got a couple. So of them I, I, throw. I think those, would, those would be
1: I, the ones for me.
0: Pacheco and Wilson were were excellent calls. I like your Hollywood Brown call. I'll throw out one tight end, Dan. Kind of your argument where a guy that's been missing, but if you make the three week stretch, Dallas Goddard. Is still a top five tight end despite missing games. I think Dallas Goddard could have a big say if he comes back. When is back. he back, Theo? When is he back? Do you know? They, they he's on IR, him.
1: so he's he can come back
5: uh once he's
0: 10 missed
2: 15, yeah, well, 15 Come back. Week, 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 week 15,
5: week 15, like yeah.
0: Week yeah, 15. So I think you know he could he could make an impact. Um, I'll throw out Jalen Warren. Uh I think with the Najee Harris injury, we'll finally get some starts from Jalen Warren. He's on a number of teams that are not Najee Harris teams. If you look throughout your league, it's not always like a handcuff. Um, and then uh, to piggyback on the the Garrett Wilson call, uh, Traylon Burks. If you get into the sprint with Traylon Burks, he looks like an easy fifteen uh, plus point per game kind of guy moving forward.
3: I'll throw in uh, my boy, George Pickens. Uh, we just saw him against my Colts. I mean, he's just getting targeted all over the place. He's, you know, as much as uh, the, the Pittsburgh offense isn't that awesome, their schedule is pretty good. And uh, Pickens can give you some nice points down the stretch, even, even in Superflex. I mean, go get, get, go, go, blah, 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 blah. Go get yourself some, uh, some, some um, well, what's his name? Pickett, Kenny Pickett could also, uh, with his schedule. And then uh, our boy Glenn talks about Cleveland, Deshaun Watson coming back. You got Amari Cooper, and then we got uh, 1912 calling out DPJ. Not a bad little sleeper uh, on an mm-hmm. offense that we might see throwing the ball a bit more. Yeah, no,
0: I, I think those were some some very good good names. We had a bunch more questions, but uh
3: yeah, we got we got a hard we got a hard out. We could we could go on. A long time. Do do we get a few more minutes? You think, Theo, or what do you? We, we okay, squeeze so, another one so we'll in. We'll
0: throw we'll throw one more question out. Throw one in
3: with the out. Let okay. people walk so their we'll, way out so with we'll the answer. Go, we're
0: going to go around the horn, and we've tried to do it where I list like my my number five, then Dan lists his number five, then Glenn would list. We're going to give <laughs> our top five draft picks. Um, we're going to go non-tight end premium. Uh, let's go oh. NFFC FFWC. Uh, you know, KFFC or your, your you know, your Yahoo PPR league, however you want to cut it, your top five draft picks for 2023. We'll start out with Glenn Lowy. Uh,
5: I think next year is going to be, uh, you know, a wide receiver heavy year. I think uh, people are going to look at this year and push up the wide receivers. So if that happens, I think it's got to be JJ, right?
0: Yeah, 100%. You got a rest of the top five Glenn?
5: Uh, I, you know, in no particular order. Sure. Um, I think, I again, I think wide receivers are going to make the bulk of it, and uh, I think uh, Tyreek's going to be there. I think uh, if he comes back and explodes, which he's certainly capable of, uh, Jamar Chase is a, it could be a factor, and uh, uh, you know if. He continues to grow over the next few weeks, uh, C.D. Lamb. If I'm going to throw a running back in there, it's got to be Eckler, I guess, unless one of those guys I mentioned earlier take over the job like a Pollard. Uh, You know, if he takes over the job and just explodes the rest of the year, you never know where he could go, a guy like that.
1: Dan? Yeah, uh, no surprise. JJ, number one for me. Uh, like Glenn, the rest of them you can kind of throw in any order right now. But I'd I'd put in uh, Tyreek, uh, Stephon Diggs, uh, Austin Eckler most likely, and Devontae Adams most likely, and maybe a Jamar Chase. So that's six. I cheated.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Justin Jefferson, clear cut number one. Tyreek Kill number two. Stephon Diggs number three. Jamar Chase number four. And then I like your guy's Eckler call, but I think that at the end of the day, Christian McCaffrey with an entire offseason, he's at 19 points per game. Eckler's at 23, so they're kind of close. I think uh, CMC will be the first running back taken off the board at fifth overall. JD?
3: Go, going fifth after you four studs, I figured everything would be crossed off. Even Theo, I was going to throw that in at the end, but you, know, you killed it. So I'll go with my boy 1912 helping me out. Before you mentioned non-Titan Prima had Kelsey uh, even at like in the top three. But I, I think he could still be. We, 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 we showed the numbers and how much of an advantage he gives you at the tight end position. Even, even in a PPR, guys, I think he can he can be up there for sure top 10. Uh, I don't know if he gets into the top five, but he's another name you'd consider. I like the CMC feel. That's uh, exactly who I'd throw in. Guys, tonight was awesome. Uh, Glenn... Adam, you guys always bring the goldness. Adam, 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 anything to add with the top
2: five? Oh, sorry, brother. No, 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 no no problem. And I actually – They usually come to me last, so I (laughs) I, I apologize. No, it's cool. So I I had Jefferson, Tyreek. I actually have Cup. I still think he's going to be – he's not old yet. And him and Stafford got there I mean, it's not an AC. It's a high ankle sprain. It's not an ACL or anything. So Jefferson, Tyreek, Cup, And I really like Saquon. Uh, he could There's some landing spots where he could be. Uh, and I mean, the Giants offense stinks. He is the entire offense. If he goes somewhere where, you know, he can be even better. Uh, I like his chance of being drafted in the top five. Um, and then a guy that probably won't make the top five, but. could Depending on where he lands to could be a factor in the first round. Bijan Robinson. I feel like he, if there's some spots, Baltimore, Chicago, Atlanta, Miami. If he lands in the right spot fresh young legs, elite player. Uh, I like him too. Guys, this has been a blast. Uh, stick with us. we
3: got some more round tables coming. Theo is putting together some serious high stakes roundtables for you guys. And, uh, Glenn, I mean, remind the peep your handle. Good luck rest of season. I know you got some big teams going into the money weeks as we like to call them. So we wish you the best, best of luck. We appreciate you tonight. And um yeah man just just let the people know where they can follow and get, get all the little you know tips I'm um, sorry
5: about that at Gleneration underscore X. Gleneration X. And you guys, thank you. Write guys. It down. I, I always enjoy uh chatting with you guys.
3: Awesome to have you, Glenn Adam over there at Draft Sharks. Most I'm sure you guys are already following both of you guys. Just remind them uh your handle and what you have coming out over there uh in the next little bit.
2: Yeah, um, you can also find me uh, at uh, Deep End FF1 for the for the High Stakes Podcast. Sh- Mike Schoep and I do, yeah, just, just grinding out these last couple weeks, giving some waiver advice, all the same stuff you guys are doing. I love coming on the show. I love having you guys on our show. And, uh, yeah, just grinding these waivers and hopefully uh, bringing home a chip.
3: Bringing home a chip. Dan, we used to do, like, uh, give a quick tip on the way out. So I'll let you remind the peeps where they can find – the overhyped sleeper and give your little wise tip tip of the day here to the fantasy uh, community.
1: You're catching me out on the tip of the day. I probably don't have one of those right on the tip of my tongue, but uh, yeah, at, at overhyped sleeper drop the final E from sleeper. Um, I am, I am on Twitter for all your bad soccer takes and uh, occasionally <laughs> a few good football takes. You never know.
3: Theo, I, I was just trying to set you up for uh, the tweet I mean, you put I, out.
0: Now, like I, I, I so the possibly, etiquette support the Baylor bears, any chance I get, you know, now it's kind of like, you know, if Dan can't be for the U S men's national team. No, it's, no. It's, I'm it's, all for
1: the USA. I'm just, it's, it's soccer is such a hard watch.
3: Okay. You know, to, to, to each Theo, your own, but Theo, I, w- I want you to spread the word on your tweet earlier today on, on setting lineups. I, I just, I just oh, feel yeah. like that's gotta so be shared.
0: If you're in, especially whether you're in a, in a home league or you're in a high stakes league, Set your lineup this week, even if you've been eliminated. Yes, please. You're going to cost somebody money. And at yes, the end guys. of the day, some of the longest memories you're going to find are high-stakes fantasy football players. If you burn somebody by not setting your lineup, it's going to come back around on you. It always does. I, I, I will forget uh, some parents' names of, like, my kids' friends. I forget <laughs> phone numbers. But I will not forget – who Glenn Lowy took in the seventh round last year in the draft? I drafted next to him. Fantasy football players remember everything, so if you don't set your lineup, it's going to come back on you when you have a good team.
3: That guy's always set your best lineup, man. Come on, if you're a real player, it, it's it's in your it's in your blood, like it's in it's in you. You just can't you can't walk away from that screen without setting your your optimal lineup. The chat has been lit tonight, so appreciate all of you guys uh, for tuning in. For joining us live if you're listening to this right now in podcast format make sure you tune in live man on youtube we always take questions we'll try to throw as many as we can to our guests we bring you the best guests help you guys win it guys we approach the money weeks right now make sure you tune in on every show to get yourself to the trophy to the money smash a subscribe smash it all guys smash your leagues and we'll check you all later
0: Fish, 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 fish. A lot of fun. That was good, and we still didn't even get to like all the questions. That was that was very good. Yeah, without that was, a
2: doubt.
3: That, was that was good. I was trying not. To, <laughs> it's one of these things where once you get into the conversation, there's so many ways you can go. You know what I mean? But uh, I knew Glenn so had weird. a hard out, so. Like,
0: some of those quite some of those things like when you start diving into like we could do 90 minutes on on the Josh Jacobs you know like totally. the whole, it's, totally. it's 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 wild this season's been insane um but it's it's really really just kind of good kicking the tires and I love trying to figure out this year's league winners um I think it's it's great that we're kind of all in in succinct on on Pacheco because I, I think he looks really really good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's just had terrible touchdown luck yeah. for the most part. They just haven't,
1: They, you know, if they start using him around the goal line like they were using uh, Edwards-Alaire and, you know, he has just decent touchdown luck, I think he could be, you know, Edwards-Alaire was getting you 15 to 20 every week. I think Pacheco could at least do the same thing, you know, and if all of a sudden you're throwing that guy into your flex instead of somebody else. It's- be
3: worthwhile oh he's he's setting up as a as a league winner for sure and like you said man he just looks like a psycho out there which uh in that offense is not a bad thing he's like
0: a he's like a lunatic (laughs) when he runs it's like he he wants to you know i guess you know you're a seventh round pick um yes
1: that's exactly i think that
0: plays into it but i think that's just kind of like the way he runs is so violent it's It's, it's the difference between him and
3: ch theo just say it it's the difference between him and ch who got drafted you know, where a
0: hundred percent, a hundred percent. But Pacheco is man. He's, he's just, uh, he's tough dude and and he runs hard and he runs angry and it's just like a breath of fresh air kind of guy you want to root for. So I hope he does it. I wish I had a lot more Pacheco. I do have Pacheco in our, in our triflex league, Dan.
1: Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you know, he, he's just kind of a ready fire aim type of player, you know, he, he's going hard somewhere uh he doesn't even necessarily know exactly where but wherever he goes he's he he's gonna get there quick
0: not a lot of nuance not a lot of no. nuance <laughs> not
1: at all yeah so i'm yeah i'm looking forward to that i've also looking. i think our super brackets gonna be super fun theo because if yeah
0: i was looking at that today that looks really good
1: yeah if we can if we can make it past this week and then get into all those teams there's you know a, a fair number of teams that have a lot of week 14 buys so uh, you know this this might be the tough week, and then uh, you know you you make it through the first two weeks, and then you're into more
3: money than what we already won. I love is it. That, I is that is that Millie Billy main out now totally? Or yeah, like, it's out totally. We out. needed, yeah, we needed Bill, one more win. Uh,
0: you know we can have
3: like a retrospective on on that team. Um, that was so close. It should have done who's, better. Who's who's got the mo- who's got the 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 best chance right now at either a main or a football, guys?
0: I have a couple of very good football guys. Um, I have a main with BIP that if, if we get by this week, I, I think we're looking good. We finished fourth, but we've got a very dangerous team. It's a Saquon Ken Walker team. Um, and our wide receivers are pretty good. Andrew and I got by, we had like a sweat last night to get by a beeb for the fourth spot in this one. Um, so I have a couple of main event teams that are, that are still, uh, still, still kicking the tires. Um, so, so we'll see. It's this. We're, we're still,
3: uh, we're still winning that pros versus Joe's thing, eh? Yeah, that, we're uh, still, still in we're first place. That. You're dead meat. Still in first place. Yeah, Theo, you and I have a man
1: that's rounding into shape pretty well.
0: Yeah, no, you're right about that. We definitely still are. in.
1: We got, we got, uh, yeah, we got Josh Allen, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Ken Walker, uh, Waddle, and Tyreek both uh, Metcalf. The, wad,
0: the Waddle and Tyreek both is that's the one, Dan. When we win a million bucks, it's those guys are going to combine for like 75 points in, in uh, week 17.
1: That's exactly it. And then we have Ayuk and, and uh, Pickens still sitting on the bench and Latavius Murray sitting on the bench. Oh, those uh, are good,
3: good bench pieces, you know? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. I mean, basically, tight end is where we're weak. We've got Dulcich and uh, Conklin, and that's it. So, yeah, it's uh, tough. We're, we're hurting a little bit there. Yeah, Con-
3: Conklin's know. been a letdown, man. The, the big last time. little bit. Yeah,
1: yeah. big time. Um, but you know, maybe we'll just have to pick up, uh, you know, Delaney. De- De- Delaney
0: Wood. <laughs> so Jelani, Jelani Woods is interesting because Granson was out, but if Granson's back, they yeah. were in like that weird split. It could be like a there's three raid. of them, right? There's Moale, there's, Mo and there's with Woods, Mo. and there's yeah, yeah. Jordan Akins is he still available in that league?
1: I, I'm sure that he
0: is. It's so um, gross, Stephen. Talk about, it. but he, yeah, I, I, it really I, is. It's such a bad week for for adding tight ends. Um every week's week has three, 3 of the last 6 games. Oh, 1912.
1: 19,
3: 19, I forgot we're I didn't realize we're still on. I didn't even end this uh 1912 telling you to pick up Bellinger. There you go. Yep. That's
1: uh, yeah, that's Bellinger another Bellinger thought too. Yeah, I've got I've got him down. So, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to take a look. We've got a few uh possibilities at tight end. Well, I'm sure we'll add one
0: somewhere. We'll just prey on tight end. It's got yep. just ty- Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, and we'll leave the tight end position bre- blank in tight end premium. This is big fight. That's, that's why you traded that, the that'll Kelsey, be our, maybe. Maybe tight end. That'll
1: be our answer to Obib. <laughs> someone, he, he wins someone, without the kicker. Not, we'll just win without the tight end. Respond,
0: someone responded to uh, Jeff Manns in some Jeff Manns tweet where he's criticizing, criticizing Tua – and he's like, Theo, you got to tell Jeff Manns, and I'm like, I don't want to get in a fight with Jeff Manns. Like, what's the point of this? It's like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to beef with Jeff Manns.
3: That'll be that'll be on the next uh, Goat District pay per view, guys. So make sure you uh, look look out for that one. Yeah, yeah, like out of nowhere
1: beef.